0: Hey friends, thanks so much for joining me today. So happy to have you here. If you have already read any of Donald Miller's books, you know what a delight he is. And if you're new to Don, then you're going to enjoy this conversation. We talk quite a bit about political parties, third parties, some of the things that he's up to, but he is also an entrepreneur, just has so many interests and valuable things to contribute. So let's dive in. I'm Sharon McMahon, and welcome to the Sharon Says So Podcast. Don, thank you so much for joining me. Such a pleasure. So nice to finally meet you.
1: It's an honor to be with you.
0: Mm-hmm. You are just like a massively best-selling author. How many books have you written now?
1: 10. 10 that I'm willing to say I wrote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't make you name any names. I won't make you name any names, but are there any that you look back on and you're like, Oh, no. That was not good.
1: You don't know, no, and I'm thankful mainly because yeah. I don't look back on them, right? I don't pull them off the shelf and read them. <laughs> I don't read Amazon reviews, so maybe you don't reread your hate... old books. No, they've asked me recently to go back and read the audiobook for some old books, and I wouldn't do it because mm-hmm. they li- they're fine in my mind as they are. They're not in my home, and people like them, and that's fine with me.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, good. I don't, wanna, I
1: don't poke. Oh, you no, know, don't poke the beehive and find out something. I don't
0: <laughs> want to do that. I don't you... want to know.
1: who Sharon, I don't want to know who I used to be. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line. I like who I am. I don't really want to go back and find mm-hmm. out who I
0: used What are most of your books about for somebody who's never well, read they're... a Donald Miller book?
1: Yeah. Well, I started out writing essentially memoir, sort of subject oriented memoir. And uh, my first book was about traveling across the country in a Volkswagen camping van. And mm-hmm it was travels with charlie meets jack kerouac meets meets me at 23 trying to sound like steinbeck is what that book was in which i failed miserably you <laughs> should
0: definitely go read the amazon reviews on that one
1: yeah don't read the amazon <laughs> reviews uh, luckily thank goodness nobody read it hmm. my wonderful mother bought most of the copies and we were fine and then i had i grew up in a very very conservative southern baptist church in Pearland, Texas, at the time, a small town south of Houston, now a very large suburb. And it was extremely conservative. And when I ran out of money in Portland, Oregon, audited classes at Reed College in my late 20s, that at the time had two distinctions. One was that the average IQ was two points above genius. So these were the smartest people I'd ever been around in my life. And the other distinction was that it was chosen as it is every two or three years as the most godless campus in America. I spent 3 years there auditing some classes but also involved in kind of a an informal not associated with anything christian ministry because I lived in the neighborhood across the street. And that experience was so incredibly eye-opening and revealing and showed me how much baggage I had had regarding having grown up in a conservative church. My whole definition of the truth, if you will, was so concocted You would honor the truth as an objective thing outside yourself. And my idea of truth was completely subjective based on tribal belief systems that stitched a group of people together, mostly Southern white males and the people who are dependent on them. So I wrote a book about that called Blue Like Jazz. And that book spent 42 weeks on the New York Times. And that Mm launched my career. I, I wrote four or five more of those memoirs and then just didn't have another one in me. And I wrote a book because I had done some some consulting with Accenture about narrative structures as it relates to project management, I decided, actually, I could write a book on how to clarify a marketing message based on narrative structures. That book, you would think would sell 37 copies and it sold like 700,000 copies. Mm. So all of a sudden, my career switched from a writer to a consultant on helping people tell their stories and invite customers into stories. And that's what I do now. And I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm crazy about my job.
0: Do you love working with business owners? Do you mostly work with small business owners or like medium size or what?
1: It's mostly small businesses. I've worked with about 10,000 now small businesses, helping them clarify their message and explain to the public, the customer base, what they do. I do have about 30% of my time is volunteer. And so I volunteer with nonprofits I volunteer with Black-owned businesses, and I volunteer with independent politicians who are fighting back against the extremism that I think is taking over the country. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
0: Do you think people are born with an entrepreneurial streak, or is it entirely a learned behavior? I don't know. My, you know,
1: that's a. I mean, who knows? But my my sister, all her life, was a florist, Sharon, and she's in Houston, Texas. And she she would send me pictures of these beautiful flower arrangements that she did. And I I said, how much does something like that cost? And she said, well, the budget for the banquet was half a million dollars or something like that. And I said, Jennifer, what are you being paid? And she said, twenty five dollars an hour. I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you, I just texted back, you need to own the company. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was like, no, that's not me. That's you. That's not me. That's you. Well, f- three years ago, her bosses came to her and said, would you like to buy the flower shop? And she got on the phone with me and said, should I do this? And I said, you should. And I got really nervous because I asked myself that question w- Was she born a team member and I was born an entrepreneur? Her whole life was just being a team member, making $15 to $25 an hour, which isn't bad, but she did buy the flower shop. I partnered with her financially. And she just fell into entrepreneurialism as, as easy as like slipping on your favorite pair of jeans. And so who knows? Maybe there's something that people are just afraid to try. And if they just tried it, they'd be great at it. I, I really don't know. Mm. I tend to think that everybody has my skill set. And that's obviously not true. <laughs> I don't have their skill set. So we, we are different, but who knows?
0: I wonder if there's something related to risk tolerance that some people have an innate personality temperament that makes them more risk tolerant and thus more interested in entrepreneurial endeavors.
1: Well, I have zero risk tolerance, but I have an enormous amount of risk ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: see, the fact that you're ignorant of the risk means you're that's willing exactly, to tolerate it.
1: That exa- that's that's the exactly thing. it. I have no idea we're in rapids all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it.
0: Tell everybody what if, because if they haven't read Here on a Mission yet, what does that even mean? What what would they expect to get out of your book?
1: Well, years ago, I dealt with a season, and Shan, I think it was probably about two years, of fairly serious depression. I wouldn't have known that at the time. But looking back, I was like, "Wow, that, those were some dark thoughts." And then I, I weighed three hundred eighty-seven pounds. I'm at two hundred fifteen pounds now. I was just in bad shape, and you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, the whole thing, and victim mindset, right? That that's where I was. And I, you know, kind of figured some things out and started moving forward and wrote some books. But what I would find is that if I was working on a project. In hindsight, if I was working on a project and excited about some hopeful thing I could do in the world, I would be pretty okay and pretty healthy. And then when I accomplished that, releasing a book or whatever, I'd crash. And this would be a pattern, you know, get something done, crash, get something done, crash, maybe twice a year. And I I decided to take a break and have some fun and rode my bicycle with a group of friends from Los Angeles to Delaware. It took Mm -hmm. seven weeks for us to do it. We rode 3,000 some odd miles. And I knew once we got into Washington, D.C. or even close to the Atlantic Ocean, I knew you're going to deal with the biggest depression of your entire life as soon as you get home. Mm. Because this is one of the most fun things you've ever done. It's one of the hardest things you've ever done. This community has gotten to know each other and love each other so much. And it's all going to be gone. It's going to be from the highest to the highs to sitting on the couch and not having anything to do. So I got... Graciously saved from that happening when I was in a bookstore and bought Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And I read Man's Search for Meaning on the plane on the way home. And he basically laid out how not to crash and how to experience a meaningful life. And it was a very practical prescription have a project that occupies your mind and your time, have an optimistic perspective on challenges and suffering because life is indeed hard, and have a community. Or be so interested in art and nature that you stop staring at your belly button, pulling lint out of it and trying to figure out what the meaning of life is, because that's going to drive you nuts. And really, was it, what he was saying is, you got to be distracted from nihilism, because if you if you go down that rabbit hole, you're not coming out. So instead of going home and crashing, I got involved in a big political campaign. I found another story. I started a mentoring organization and I didn't crash, and I haven't crashed since. That's been Mm. more than 10 years ago. And so for 10 years, I've wanted to put, but Viktor Frankl can be very hard to read, hard to understand, clinical in his descriptions of this. And so I thought if I ever have the chance to put the cookies on a lower shelf, I'm going to do it. And that's what Hero on a Mission is. It's a way to live life that you enjoy it and experience a deep sense of meaning and stay off outside of chemical issues, brain issues. You stay off anxiety and depression for the most part. And I stand by it because it's worked for me for 10 years. Mm. I mean, life hasn't been happy. There's been tragedy has struck my life. It's been difficult to figure things out. I've made mistakes. I've been anxious plenty of times, but I have never struggled for meaning. And what I mean by that is, I'm always very interested in my own story. It's never boring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I'm, I'm grateful for Viktor Frankl for that reason.
0: Mm. I have always wondered this and I don't know that any one person has the answer, but let's say 150 years ago, psychology as a field is not what it is. People would have mental health struggles that would go undiagnosed and there was no treatment and it was very stigmatized, et cetera. Of course, all of those things are very true. But I wonder, I've often wondered if some of our more recent sort of descent into anxiety, depression, other mental health issues, is the fact that we have invented incredible amounts of free time for ourselves, that we have the time to stare at our belly buttons. Well,
1: I would say, well, invented free time for ourselves. Yes, you're 100% right, in my opinion, from my view. And done nothing to fill it.
0: Nothing to, exactly. It's That's just, what it is. what's done, to fill we it, Netflix?
1: We've not accepted the agency to direct our own stories and make something interesting happen because we've become more and more dependent on outside leaders. And by that, I mean, corporations, political leaders, you know, what religious leaders, whatever, to actually dictate a story to us. And most stories that are dictated to you do not have you in mind they they have whoever's dictating the story is going to be incentivized Mm -hmm. by that not not you so our stories stink bottom line they just stink you know we're Mm -hmm. driving around in expensive cars living in expensive houses that we can't afford our children are distracted by something on tiktok we don't eat dinner anymore and as parents we haven't invited kids into a story that is more interesting than whatever's going on on their instagram and I think you're 100% right. I think it's, le- it's led to psychological angst and what Viktor Frankl would call a narrative void in an existential vacuum. I called it a narrative void. That is, we don't have a story that we're living into. It's as, it's as though we're sitting in the theater of our mind, watching a blank screen and the story of our college and family ended, but we didn't start a new one. So now we're just sitting there watching a blank screen and we're feeling the angst of that.
0: We hear from a lot of interesting people on this podcast, and I know that I am always hungry for more. And what if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? Guess what? You can. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best instructors. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor and you can access Masterclass on your phone, your computer, your smart TV, even in audio mode, you can listen to it like a podcast. I know that when I watch Doris Kearns Goodwin, that first of all, I'm going to be getting fantastic information that the production level is going to be incredible. And then I'm going to walk away feeling smarter and more informed than I was before. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Sharon. That's 15% off at masterclass.com Sharon masterclass.com slash Sharon. We have all had embarrassing moments where something didn't smell quite right. And if you have any children or people in your lives who have stinky toes, stinky feet, and those stinky shoes pile up by the door of your house. And then when people come over, they're like, um, your house smells weird. There's a solution for that. And it is not necessarily spraying down your house with disinfectant. It is taking care of the smell at the source by using Lumi on places like the people in your house's stinky feet. It is a whole body deodorant. It is safe to use anywhere on your body. It was created by a doctor who saw firsthand how stinky feet and other body parts are often misdiagnosed as problems. When in reality, you could just use a product like Lumi and it would take care of the issue. It has been clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code SHARON at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and use code SHARON. Visit betterhelp.com slash Sharon today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel slash Sharon. I'm not romanticizing the past because there's actually a lot of bad things that have happened in the past. Yeah. Women had no rights. Lots of people of color had no rights. I, I'm not romanticizing the past and thinking we should go back to 1850. Not at all. But... I wonder if when you woke up in the morning, there was so much to be done to even subsist <laughs> yeah, you that did you not did time. not have time to be like, my life is meaningless.
1: Yeah. you know what I mean, There I mean? was such a great, there was a great meme going around like eight or 10 years ago and they would just take something that somebody was thinking about on TikTok and basically say how in God's name do you have time to even <laughs> answer ask these questions you know it was just really it was revealing right
0: yes very much so well one of the things that i found had found interesting about your work is your Thoughts about sort of the political system in the United States, some of your work with independent candidates. I read with interest a recent post that you had about democracy, just sort of in general, and about how extremism in the United States is actually an incredibly dangerous path that yep. many people are following leaders with stories that they want to listen to at the, in the moment. They're following them down the proverbial path. And that's true and on all ends of the spectrum. This is not an indictment of one, one end of the spectrum. And that extremism can take a very dangerous turn. Yes. I would love to hear your thoughts about that.
1: I think we're in a dangerous spot. The, the wonderful thing that usually happens in America is it self-corrects. And I hope that we self-correct on either end of the spectrum. In my opinion, I'd be curious your opinion. We are thinking more and more in binary and less and less in nuance.
0: When truth
1: truth lives in nuance. Mm -hmm. And we're choosing our tribe. Jonathan Haidt wrote a really good book called The Righteous Mind that explains kind of how this stuff works. So, you know, what I'm doing about that is trying to push a narrative that the parties are like a married couple. They're like the Millers, but they're awful and they're renting a house from you and they're destroying the house and it's time to kick them out. <laughs> and my, my villain in the story is twofold. It's a two headed snake called the Republicans and the Democrats. So I'm part of a third party effort. The party hasn't gotten started yet. We don't have a name, but it's a serious effort. But I hope that that party brings with it A message and a boat, a lifeboat, if you will, for the overwhelming majority of Americans who don't see Republicans or Democrats as hopeful. And I also hope that the Republicans, Democrats self-correct and come back to the middle because they would have some political cover to do so. That's kind of what I think about as I get older, I'm 50 and I've got a daughter. I got I got married late, so my daughter is 10 months old. I understand the angst of is my daughter going to be able to grow up in the same country that I did in my opinion i think the country's gotten a lot worse and a lot better at the same time i think people have people's rights have been improved there's more opportunity now than there ever has been there's not enough and that's largely where i'm at uh, mm. what to do about that i think you you need to get behind candidates who have good messages who can who can point out these problems and create something in the middle there's more independent People who identify as independents now than there has ever been. It's more than fifty percent of the body politic identifies as independent, and uh, so there's an opportunity there.
0: Mm. I know in my community, roughly sixty to seventy percent of of people feel like neither party represents their views well. Yeah, and that they are constantly voting for the lesser of two evils. Yeah, or they feel like they have to, in many cases, throw away their vote on a third party candidate. So, you know, currently the system is set up so that if you vote third party, you're doing so for reasons other than wishing to affect the outcome of the election at the presidential level.
1: it's the, The two parties have set this up. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's all on them. In some ways you can't, you know, in Texas, for instance, if you want to have a third party on the ballot in Texas, the state legislature filled with Republicans and Democrats has to vote on whether or not to let you on the ballot. Well, do you think they're incentivized to let somebody else Mm -hmm. on the
0: ballot?
1: Mm -hmm. No, so they're not going to. And so they've set it up where you got to join out of the right or left and anymore the right or left are getting further and further away from each other and less and less Americans identify. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just don't think, you know, I have some views and they're probably center right views. But I also worked for Obama, right? I was on a task force for fatherlessness and healthy families for Obama and and greatly enjoyed the experience. And he did every single thing we wanted him to do on that issue. So our country needs some psychological work. (laughs) And we need a narrative, a vision in the middle that is truly engaging and enticing and better than the narrative that either the right and left are pitching. If a Republican is in the White House, the Democrats don't want to pass the bills. And if the Democrats are in the White House, the Republicans don't want to pass the bill because neither side wants to give the other side a win. Of course, so America doesn't Mm -hmm. get what it's what it wants, because these two feuding married couples can't seem to get along or get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And we're stuck with them. And that's got to change.
0: I hear that all the time. People, people tell me that all the time. Like, this is terrible. This is the worst. None of these people seem to care about their constituents. All they care about is eking out a win for themselves. They're not in it for the American people. They're in it for the wrong reasons, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they are looking for an answer to that problem, there is no one in sight. There that's is right. nobody no in sight to look
1: because to. The, there's no one in sight because the systems won't let anybody else pop up. Mm-hmm. And so that's the challenge. And I think that the climate is right to meet that challenge whether or not it gets met i don't know but you know the media isn't incentivized for a third but, you know, stories work best when they when there's a villain and a hero mm-hmm. not when there's kind of a villain and kind of a hero and kind of a third party villain here that doesn't work we need a good guy and a bad guy so on fox news the bad guy is the democrats and on msnbc the bad guy is the republicans And CNN, it's mostly the bad guys, the Republicans, but they're a little more favorable, a little more objective, maybe. But then you've got Breitbart, you got Newsmax, they've all chosen the narrative. And then they, they don't present objective news, as you know, it's subjective based on what the people the confirmation bias that their their listeners have. So they don't want a third party. So now you can't get any media attention, you can't get on the ballot. You know, it's going to take a lot of money and a really great message to break through. And I hope that that happens in America.
0: Listen, I know if you pick up any kind of beauty magazine or you follow an influencer, there's like a new skincare product every single day of the week. And it can be really difficult to know which ones to even try, like which one is worth your money. And if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, you might be excited to know that one of today's sponsors is OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy, no complicated routines, just simple scientifically validated solutions. The secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS1 peptide. O-N-E-S-K-I-N dot C-O. Try OneSkin and enjoy younger, healthier skin without all the extra steps. That's Oneskin.co. code Sharon.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor, eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it.
0: Go to quince.com/slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How can people help with that? What like the people who are listening to this who are like, I hope it happens too, Don. <laughs> what am I supposed to do tomorrow?
1: Well, for now, if you follow Donald Miller on Twitter, you'll see pictures of my my beautiful wife and my daughter, and probably occasionally my dog in the next year you're going to see a lot more and I'm not <laughs> running by the way, I'm not going to run, but you'll, you're going to hear a lot more about that.
0: Mm. I know people are very hungry for alternatives. They're, you know, like people ask me this all the time, where are the reasonable people? They're everywhere I'm looking around and I see almost nobody that's reasonable in you know leadership.
1: What? You're going to love this story. I met a guy named Pierce Bush and became his friend became friends with him because he was head of an organization called big brothers, big sisters in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. And I had a mentoring program. So I was, I, I really like Pierce. We hit it off. He's a very, very reasonable. Good guy. He decides he's going to run for Congress in the district in Texas that I grew up in Pearland. And I said, Pierce, let me fly down and go door to door with you. I'll, I'll show you where the good ice cream is where the good cheeseburger is. At one point he, he stops. We've knocked on 20 doors. He's introduced himself. But we have this app that is taking us to only Republican primary voters. So we're skipping three houses and going to this one, skipping to them across the street, going over here. At one point, he said, Don, I want you to notice something because I've been doing this for months now. He said, look at the houses in which we've knocked on doors. And then look at the houses that we've skipped. He said, do you see a difference? And I couldn't see a difference. So I said, no, I don't see a difference. He goes, the houses that we've knocked on doors have no cars in the driveway. The houses that we've walked past have two or three cars in the driveway. I said, oh, yeah, that's actually true. What does that mean? He said, Don, think about who we've talked to today older, retired families whose kids are gone and they're sitting around watching Fox News and they're being scared to death. He said, that's who decides who the Republican candidate will be. So if you're a center right Republican, you don't even get a candidate, you don't get Mm -hmm. one. You get and Pierce lost that race, the primary, he came in third place, even with the Bush name in the state of Texas, he comes in third place, and he lost to a sheriff who wanted to build a wall around Brazoria County. <laughs> this, is, this is how ridiculous this system is. So by the time, if you're a you know center-right, reasonable Republican, your choice is a sheriff who wants to build a wall right through a toll bridge <laughs> in mm-hmm. Brazoria County. And who are you going to not let in, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people from downtown, who are you? This makes no sense, but that's where we are.
0: Mm. Okay, but that's not answering the question of what are people supposed to do?
1: They're supposed to give me a minute. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're supposed to feel the toothache a little longer until we're all pretty desperate for medicine and, uh, and the medicine. No Advil comes.
0: for you. <laughs> no Advil. No dental care.
1: That's exactly You
0: it. wait until that tooth is wait. black and cracked. Don't, aren't and you
1: afraid like- though, Sharon? It's going to get worse.
0: It's a great point that in the past, there has been a clearly defined bad guy especially throughout the middle 20th century, clearly defined bad guys of Nazi Germany, yeah. Khrushchev, you know, clearly defined lines of, we're on this the side of the white knights over here and y'all are who, who knows what. And now we have so many different versions of who is actually the bad guy that this is part of what is allowing extremism and conspiracy to flourish. You know what I mean? Like the, the stories that people are able to quickly communicate to people is disturbing.
1: And I think that'll get worse. That's the the downside of Elon Musk buying Twitter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, I, mean, I, I, don't, I haven't figured that guy out yet. I don't know if he's good, <laughs> good for the world or not. And it's pretty clear these autocracies are not good. They're right. not good for their own people. They're not good for the world. There's been such an increase in the level of deception. And when truth becomes confusing, there's always a crash. Always. Always. <laughs> And it, that's happening more and more. And I I don't I don't know how do you how you pull out of that. I, I don't know if it's a temporary disruption or a permanent fixture at least for the next forty hundred years. Uh, but I think it's a good thing, and the, and America's ripe for it. And it would uh, it would be the comeuppance for two parties who've let the bitterness and anger control them and blind them. Mm. And uh, I don't think these are bad people, by the way. I just think the incentives are aligned to make them bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And make
1: them do bad things.
0: Mm. There's a couple of things before I let you go today. One of the things that I have said many times that prevents the proliferation of third parties, of course, the deeply entrenched power structure within the two-party system right. is absolutely one of those things. The second thing, of course, is the money that is behind the two-party system, the mm-hmm. huge money powerhouses that exist within these machines. The third one is the electoral college. The Electoral College prevents third-party candidates from gaining traction because 48 48 out of 50 states use a winner-take-all system.
1: Another thing, as long as we're on this high horse, rank-choice voting. Mm -hmm. Rank-choice voting inside of primaries. You know, Bill Walker is a friend, a new friend, and I meet with him often now. He's running for governor of Alaska, and he got rank-choice voting passed in Alaska. And I I didn't really understand why it was so important. I knew people thought it was important. But what he said was, Don, when we got rank-choice voting passed, you know, I'm now trying to either be your number one or your number two choice. And that means if my opponent, if there's five or six candidates in a primary, my opponent, the one who's the front runner, I can't attack them because then I'll make their followers mad. So wh- what it does is immediately overnight makes the political discourse civil. And so I think we, where we can, we need to pass ranked choice voting, which, by the way, the parties don't want. no. And, uh, you know, it's very much incentivized that they stay in power and, uh, that's a problem.
0: I do think it's going to be interesting in the 2024 election because the Republican party has just said, our candidates will not participate in any of these debates.
1: I, I, I mean, I see that coming. That's
0: pretty, <laughs> I see that coming. So that's going to be very interesting. Cause of course the debate commission is made up of half Republicans, half Democrats, and now like just we're not going to have debates anymore okay all right that's interesting that's an interesting development are we going to develop an alternative debate commission or is it just going to be organized by news organizations it's just going to be like the cnn debates and the fox news debates
1: it's going to be a circus that's what it's going to be mm. it's going to be. and you know I've, I've said it many times if you keep voting for clowns you're going to end up with a circus and right now yes. <laughs>
0: You <laughs> people have to care. This is the point that I like to make is that if you want better candidates, you need to start caring earlier. Yeah. Cannot arrive. You on need November to find the 3rd. candidates in
1: these primaries and get behind them, invite them over to your house and, and have them speak to your friends and get started early, get your kids started. You're right. But when the two people are left, when our binary choice is left, it's slim pickings.
0: Mm-hmm. You can't just show up on November 3rd and then be like, I hate both of you now It has 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 to start way earlier in the process. If you want better candidates, you have to support better candidates early. Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, where can people follow you on Instagram?
1: It's at Donald Miller. That's my name, mm-hmm. and you can pretty much get around from there. I mean, if you follow me on. On Instagram, you'll eventually hear about books and whatever else I'm doing. But uh, I'd be grateful because in, anybody who's listening to your show is somebody I'm probably going to get along with. And, uh, <laughs> wonderful to meet you.
0: So nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Sharon. This podcast was written and researched by Sharon McMahon and Heather Jackson. It was produced by Heather Jackson, edited and mixed by our audio producer, Jenny Snyder, and hosted by me, Sharon McMahon. I'll see you next time.